uh, the duty of ours to of judgment and justice, duty that falls to us for judgment and justice. Uh, coming into the last couple of chapters of this Isaiah, the Isaiah, when he's talking a prophecy of salvation for his people, for God's people, we're seeing this as an end time salvation. This chapter goes along with what we had said previously. So keep that train of thought and add it to the repertory you had that I've been preaching, I think, since the 48th chapter of Isaiah. But all of this is in combination. In the Bible, like I said, is a canon, is a woven thing of God's Word here and there. And you put it all together and ask the Spirit of God to lead you and guide you. And, and we take it from various places. But here, the first verse is the only one I want to apply at this time. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Keep ye judgment and do justice. For my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. My salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. So the promise again of the soon coming kingdom of God. The promise of the soon coming kingdom of God. But with that kingdom and that salvation that Jesus Christ gives to us, when he gives the church, when he brings the church in the salvation, along with that salvation come an obligation. Remember I told you about the great commission of carrying forth of the gospel. Let me read that same verse, the first verse in the Amplified Version. It says, this is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is soon to come, and my righteousness and justice soon to be revealed. So we, so we see where we here will be dependent upon the revelation of Jesus Christ and my salvation near to come, that great salvation that was wrought by Jesus Christ for which the prophets had diligently inquired into. The prophets had inquired into this and had not been able to quite see it or whatever. We see that obligation in the Old Testament in the book of Micah. The book of Micah says, he had showed the old man what is good and what doeth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercifully, and to walk humbly before the Lord your God. So herein is the Christian obligation that was said in the Old Testament. By faith we're receiving that in the New Testament that's obligatory to us is that is judgment and justice, doing the right thing. Uh, let me read that in the Amplified Version of Micah. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you is to accept to be just and to love, that is, to diligently practice kindness, compassion, and to walk humbly with your God. That is, setting aside exalted views of yourself, high-mindedness, arrogance and competitiveness and all sorts of other things, this is something that we have to do. Mortify that old body to put to death that flesh and we have to have a transformation going on in our lives. So here justice enjoined unto us and that is something that we need to do. That That's part of what we as saints of God should be doing because there's judgment going on. And judgment, I tell you, is a process. The judgment of God is a process. Listen at these scriptures pointing toward that justice that, in, that is enjoined to the saints of God. The book of Deuteronomy, the 16th chapter, and the 20th verse reads, You shall pursue justice and only justice. In other words, you should go after us, help establish this. We, we, we need to pursue that which is right as a people, as a community, as a nation, that which is uncompromisingly righteous because 
that which we're pursuing is something that he has imputed unto us. He's imputed his righteousness unto us, and we're to develop that righteousness. We're to walk in, and it's to grow through the fruits of the Spirit, so that you may love and live and take possession of the land which the Lord your God has given you. So throughout the world, through the scattered tribes, to the people of God, wherever you may be, God has given you dominion. I've been telling you that ever since the beginning of the book of Genesis. That dominion that God gives unto us, we have to exercise that right now here. That thy kingdom come and we're going to help establish his kingdom coming. And we're going to rule and reign where God has us at. The living version reads, justice must prevail. That is the only way you can, uh, you will be successful here in this land because we know that God's removing the evildoers. He says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. That there is a work that's going on, that there is judgment that's going on, and that judgment has begun at the house of God. So there will be many of saints that are, that are not doing this that may be wayside hearers that may fall beside the wayside, and maybe get taken up by the cares of this life or whatever, so be it. I, and the evil people, yes. those that God's rendering judgment here because his, there's a culmination of the process of making man, bringing man to completion, to a complete, perfect and complete man in Jesus Christ. Yes. Psalms 82 and 3 says, Vindicate, uh, that is, uh, the... Living Version says, defend the weak, that is the poor and the fatherless. Do justice and maintain the rights of the afflicted and the destitute. These Christian virtues must become pronounced in us. We must practice those. And it's part of becoming a man or a woman in Jesus Christ is that these are the things that we have to be become. In other words, that's what the Spirit in us is changing us to. That's the new man. That's the transformation process. That's the thinking process that should be regenerating in us. That's the regeneration of the Spirit, of the old man, eradicating the old man. In other words, pushing aside that which is not like God. It's, the Spirit's going to identify anything that's not like God, and we're to put that to death. Proverbs 21 and 3 says, To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Yes. To do justice, to do righteousness is more acceptable. So those are the things that we should be doing. No matter the sacrifice, and a lot of people like to make sacrifices to give up or to do this for someone else or whatever. You could give your body to be burned, and he says, that doesn't override charity. There are certain people that has a moral mentality of complex of wanting to be abused or wanting different things that that proves. It's a bad mindset. It's one of the things of this world, of the perversions of this world. We'll see in this chapter later on that there are a lot of preachers preaching on the perversion because they'll, they have a lot of people in their churches that are laboring on the wrong view of perception of God. They have a wrong view of perception of God. Proverbs 13 and 7 says, Pay everyone whatever he ought to have. Pay your taxes and import duties gladly. Obey those that rule over you and give honor and respect to all of those whom it is due. There are the rebel rousers that are against government and all types of government, giving to government to whereby government is not able to do their correct job. Sure, governments are corrupt because they're ran by corrupt men. Sure, it's the sword that God had given government to will, but they have to give account for God. But our obligation is to do that which God had charged us with. It's just like loving your enemy. If God charged us to love our enemy, we need his supernatural ability to help us to achieve that stated goal. 
just like here. We need to pay taxes for the government to be able to come in with hurricanes and catastrophes and different things. People need help and for roads to be built, different things to achieve. There's a reason God created governments. We have to be in compliance with this scripture of not owing any man anything. And we shouldn't owe anybody love. We should continually love all men. We should continually love. If we're liking giving someone the proper love of God that's shed abroad in our heart, we're the ones who will have lead a deficient life because we're not living in all that God had commanded us to do. Colossians 4 and 1 says, Masters, on your part, deal with slaves and justly, with slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. That would have worked in the old days and in Old Testament days, New Testament days. But now we don't have so much a slave master mentality. What we would have, that scripture would transverse into, would be employers and employees. The employer should treat the employees fairly. They should pay them a decent wage, a livable wage. They should consider others because it is God had given to you and that you should distribute that wealth. And there are a lot of things going on. As I told you, there are strikes there, different things of greed and constriction that's going on. But in that salvation that God had given us to walk in, we should be doing exactly what God had told us to do and not get caught up in the culture or the religious ways or the whatever it is today. It says, be not entangled in this world's affairs. We should be led by the Spirit of God through to the kingdom of God walking by faith and doing that which he says to help establish the kingdom of God. And that is that his rules and his regulations, in other words, his precepts, statutes, and judgments should be prevailing in the earth. We should be walking and practicing these and as a living light and example, applying them in our lives and doing them. 1 Timothy 2 and 11 says, Pray in this way, for kings and others who are in authority over us uh, are in places of high responsibility so that we can live in peace and quietness, spending our time in godly living and thinking much about the Lord. So are we praying for our representatives, senators, governors, mayors, parents, teachers, presidents, governors, whatever leaders there be, mm-hmm. who those in charge so we could p- live a peaceable life and that we can live a life contributing to society, establishing that God's kingdom comes. So we see our prayers should be effectual prayers that are aimed at a wide, broad range of a whole lot of things because it's like that broad dragnet that was that the disciples drug to the shore that had all types of fish in it. Yes. But if we get involved in politics and the religions of the day or whatever, we will find ourselves taking sides and being entanglement. And we should not show partiality, but we should be fully committed to the Word of God. And that Word of God, when He tells us about justice and judgment, we have to be able to see things from God's perspective. That's why He says His salvation. I keep going back to that first one. It says, Keep ye judgment and do justice. For my salvation is near to come. So this is right at the door. The judge is right at the door and his righteousness is to be revealed. But in righteousness, he's destroying those in wrath that's against his right doing. The wrath of God is revealed in righteous judgment in the earth. So as that judgment process begins, Matthew 13, chapter 48 through the 50 verse, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet which was lowered into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. 
And when it was full, they dragged it up on the beach and they sat down and sorted out the good fish into the baskets. But the worthless ones, they threw away. So it will be at the end of this age. Remember about that sowing and reaping and let the wheat and tear to grow together. All of them in the church, all of us in the world, all of us in this great Babylon. But there's a separation process when he, when he judged between sheep and sheep. He says the angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw the wicked into the furnace of fire. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth over sorrow and distress and anger. There are a lot of people are going through in marriages, friendships and relationships that are going through at social events and churches and cultural events. Whereas there's a lot of division going on because of the word of God. For he said he was going to bring a sword. He wasn't bringing peace. He was bringing sword. So these things must come to pass because offense must come to show us those that are not really with us. Those that are not of God. So as that process of judgment goes along we still are obligated to do what God told us to do let us make sure we're not caught off base ourselves when the Lord come that we're doing what he had commissioned us to do Jesus tells us that the bad fish are thrown into the fire fire is symbolic of judgment of destruction of consummation and all of our works and trials will be tried by fire. Yes. Yes. John the Baptist says this in a slightly different way in Matthew 3 and 12. says Jesus will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Remember that parable about his threshing floor and he's going to come. Because there has to be trial and tribulation to those that are in the church also. Because that's where judgment begins. Now, judgment begins at the house of God. What's going to happen to those outside of the word of God? So we see a time of great trouble and tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble even maybe. This principle appears somewhat differently in the parable of the sheep and goats in Matthew 25, 31 through 46. We need to study our Bible and read and a lot of, you know, a lot of people may say something about consistently giving so much work to do what we call homework or whatever. But that's what he tells us, study to show ourselves approved workmen that need not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of God, the word of truth. So we must give more time to be good Bereans and study and research the Word of God. And that's why I tell you, it's good to be busy, but don't be busy about your own stuff a whole lot of time. You need to have a good bit of time devoted to the Word of God because He must increase and you decrease. And if we seek first the kingdom of God, all of those things that we're physically going after and laboring for will be added to us anyhow. So a lot of us, those homes and things that we're building, if we're not in sync with the Word of God, if we're not uh, lined up at the plumb line, those things will be taken away or we'll be left and others will enjoy that because he do tell some of us we'll dwell in homes that we didn't build, we'll reap vineyards that we didn't plant. We need to be careful and balanced in life, as I tell you. Christ is judge and he sets the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. So don't worry about those in church, you know, because there are a lot of people in church that used to kill your joy and that were always nipping at you or doing these things. Not that they were very wicked or evil people, but they were controversial or kept up controversy and God may have removed them. A lot of times God takes us out of the game. We've run our race. Now someone else has to run. The reason he moves married people sometimes when he says when he comes back, one's going to be taken and one's left because that one of them may have been a hindrance to the other. Yes. That's why I says, lay aside every weight and sin that's perception is raised. We don't know what purpose we were sit here to accomplish, but we know we must maintain. 
maintaining justice has to be impartial act on our behalf. We can't show partiality. He judges that the sheep can enter eternal life while the goats receive destruction and judgment of fire. Now everyone that received judgment and destruction, when he says not perish, there will be many of God's people that fall asleep because we see in the book of Revelation the souls that are under the altar, those sheep that have, may have struggled and went astray and God had allowed them to be afflicted or, or to fall prey or fall victim to the wolves because those wolves and sheep clothing had gotten them from some sheep. They had killed the sheep and got their hide some kind of way. So sometimes those souls beneath the altar may be disobedient, so they still God's children, just like Job's children that were killed. We don't know. We see where Job's friend uh, condemns them and says that the children were wicked. Not that they were wicked or whatever, but it was time. They had ran their race. They were still his children. Notice that God had given him that seven sons and three daughters. He didn't give him 14 more because he had those, but one is not. It it was like Joseph that says that one is not, that that they are no more here. But that still is a soul of God that will be raised on that day because the soul that sinned shall die, and that's why we have to flee sin. We have to flee sin. Now, a lot of us may be taken out of this life because we sin, but it, we wouldn't be like David. David was in a shape that he was constantly bombarded with things because the sword never left his house. Yes. Although a final judgment is coming for the world, the church is under God's judgment now. First Peter four seventeen, Revelations eleven one to two. Uh, and not only is the sinners coming, but our conduct and growth are also currently being judged. That's why I was saying some are taken out, some are not developing the proper conduct, some are not developing the right character. And that's far as they go in the body of Christ. There are different stages in development of, in the body of Christ. We're all not set to be the same. Christ is evaluating whether we meet some of the standards or the criteria to be in the vocation of the place that we should be. So we have to walk circumspectively, and we have to realize that we, we can't just give up and not do anything. We have a faith that has works, and a faith that has works to enjoy our, to enjoy God. The joy of the Lord is our strength that we must walk, we must walk pleasing unto God, and that's that's how we please and do things. If we want to do that which is pleasing unto God, what pleases Him, this requires effort on our behalf. This is works. That's where the saints' works come in. We're not working for salvation. We're working because we have salvation. That salvation is near. It came, so that's why we're working. We don't lose our salvation. We may not have as much joy. And see, God gives us joy unspeakable. God gives us joy. And it's not dependent upon our circumstances. Ultimately, everyone is judged the same way according to the same standard and the same criteria, and that is the Word of God. That's how we should live, by the Word of God. So, when you go into the land, hear the blessings and hear the curses. Not that you'll lose your salvation, but you may do something that may end up shortening your life. Those that dishonor their parents, he says, honor your parents that your days may be long. Some of us may live a dishonorable life to our parents. We may not live as long. The bad fish among us are not ours to judge, but Jesus, the righteous judge. He had promised to judge with equity. So, that's why I say we're not judging whether a person's saved or not. We, we can't make that determination who's saved. That's why we have to treat everybody and even love our enemies because that's what God had told us to do. And Jesus says in the book of Psalms, 
the 98th chapter in the ninth Psalm, we know it's all the Word of God because Jesus Christ was the Word. He was the Word made flesh. He was in the beginning with God. So just not just the red writing, everything he is from God is from Jesus Christ. It says, let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy and delight before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with fairness. We're looking forward to this, and he's judging at this time. But doesn't this verse parallel the verse that we read yesterday and what we preached about in joy? He seems to be attributing it to nature in the verse that we talked about yesterday. But listen, it doesn't that same verse from Psalm, where it was 98 and none, sound just like Isaiah chapter 55 and 12, it says, For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains, the hills shall break forth before you in singing, and all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. It's the same thing. In other words, we're rejoicing because we have salvation. Creation is. So these things, the Word of God, that's why I say it fits jointly it fits neatly together but God's judge that every sin and transgression shall receive is just recompense of reward so I say enjoy the days of our youth but beware all of that you said against somebody that tongue of yours is like a fire it'll set on the course of your whole life into condemnatory judgment being critical of people and you we have to be careful because now as Christians and studying the word of God, we see we have to give account for every idle word we speak. For vain and foolish talk as we shouldn't be. We have to be circumspect in all we do. This is what the true children of God start doing. It's the only way that we can have this hope and joy or we'll fall under condemnation. This is what clears our mind. We're sanctified by the word of God. That's what sets us apart. That's what cleanses us. That's what gives us clean hands. Matthew 13 and 50 says that they are thrown into the furnace of fire. A a similar thing occurs in the parable of the wheat and the tares. It says at the end of the age, the tares will be gathered and thrown into the furnace. So we see that there's going to be a time whether it's the fiery judgment of God at the end or doing this process of judgment, but God could destroy the tares. The tares don't last forever. The tares don't last forever. The emphasis in the parable of the tares is on the wicked and the evil works and the subsequent judgment. That's where we see in the uh, Beatitudes when he says blessed are they when men speak evil of you and say all manner of, of things against you and when you are persecuted for my name's sake. They will have to give account. We see where David prayed prayers of implications because the judgment of God is on all of those who commit unrighteousness. Since we have confidence and trust in the word of God, we know whether it's in a white throne judgment or whether it's now you will have to answer to God for the deeds done in your body for the things that you're doing me for the things that you do for the things that you say what you say to your spouse what you say to your children what you say to your parents what you want whatever you are whoever it be even with your enemies and things you better watch your tongue you better watch your actions there's a counting or reckoning that needs to have to be done. In, in the parable of the dragnet, instead of highlighting the wickedness, Jesus focuses on the process of judgment, not necessarily on condemning the evildoers. So that, there's that broad spectrum. There's a whole lot of elements. There's a whole lot of tentacles out there working. There's a whole lot of things working. And the more you study the Word of God, the more you have the Word of God programmed in you, those are food that we assimilate into ourselves, the Word of God in every area, and that's why we see 
different revelation. That's why Paul says he was receiving so many revelations. That's because he was a Pharisee. He had studied the word of God. He knew the word of God. So match with his study of the word of God in the revelation of Jesus Christ, it became more real to him. He had more effectual and effective work in carrying out the purposes of God. Some people are condemned for doing wicked things, but others are saved and rewarded for doing the good works assigned to them. So sometimes we see as Job was looking at the wicked, it looked like the calves and things, the, the cows never lost their calves and they was prospering and living long and prosperous lives. But all of this was on the surface when later in life when God came to him and demanded that Job stand up like a man and answer him like a man. And he says, he didn't understand, but now he understands God's better. See, because God doesn't have to give a count or a reckoning of the things that he's doing in the world or what he's doing or whatever. But we see in the New Testament, when we get the Corinthians here, we'll see that God's judgment and God's work the Spirit is doing yet working, so we can't tell God to do this and at that moment he'll do it or whatever, but we see where David had prayers of imprecations against his enemy, where he prayed that God would destroy the enemy, destroy the enemy's family, his home, all of his possessions or whatever. It wasn't David cursing him, it was David praying the word of God back to God about what God would do to those that would transgress and do him things. So that's why he says, one of these days Saul may die in battle, something may happen to Saul. He wasn't going to do anything to Saul because he know God says, touch not my anointing and do my prophets no harm. But he says, one day he may die in battle, he may do it. And just think of how Saul's family came to a tragic end. So what we have to do is continually praying because sometimes you feel sorry for your enemy or what's happening with everything because God doesn't want you in a wicked or evil manner to laugh and make fun of your enemy. Mark, you'll see where God stops sometimes doing things to your enemy when you laugh at it and you fall, when, when they fall into calamity or whatever. Even your enemies you shouldn't treat that way. God's calling is first impartial and his judgment is absolutely fair. The wicked will get only what they deserve. God doesn't give anybody what they don't deserve. Now sometimes he may work that different ways. Blessings. Blessings. God's catch is the church. A chosen cross section of the entire world he cast a wide net. So the whole world has got all, all of the souls therein and all the souls belong to God. Amen. All of them. However, once those he calls accept Jesus Christ, God does show himself partial to the good fish. In other words, to those that he chose, those who love him and those who obey him, serve others, grow and produce spiritual fruit. We'll see that our lives begin to take off and that God, once we start lining up with his word and start seeing God, we start seeing life from a different perspective and God promises us blessings. And that's why he says for the salvation to come, that's why they're singing and rejoicing and clapping their hands because of this prosperity that we know that his word brings. Now, in the process of salvation, he says his salvation is near. God judges whether we are good, usable fish that's coming out of that net, a substandard fish fit only for the fire. In other words, some people in the church, they may may never develop characteristics past a certain level or whatever. Those are the ones God has used and may not use anymore, so sometimes... They pass us on the scene of God shells them or God puts them away or whatever because they've achieved, accomplished his purpose. So just because a person is taken out of life, just because things befall people, 
we still don't know whether they saved it. Not only God knows that. And God's using the fish. In other words, all these fish that are in that dragnet, he says, let the wheat and tare grow up together unless you root them out. Now I send my angels, my messengers. In other words, there's the wise souls that God's going to raise up to be able to preach and loosen these barns because he's going to use man to achieve his end. He judges us according to how we measure up against his standard of righteousness, which is this word of God. He imputes his righteousness to us. Now what do we do with that righteousness? That the perfect, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ talked about in Ephesians 4.13, that we grow to the full measure. But it's by what? Increasing faith and faith as you grow from faith to faith, faith is increasable. You have faith as a grain of mustard seed, but then there are those with faith to be healed. There are those with faith to speak to the mountain and move mountains. So we have an ever-increasing faith. There are some that can walk on this faith as Peter walked on water. There will be some that have enough faith in God to have the ability to raise the dead. But you don't just jump from not even wanting to go to church and not doing anything for God to having faith that would raise the dead. That, that's a process now. Remember, Abraham went through a process some 30-some years before he staggered not at the promises of God. Along that journey of building faith and trust and believing God, he lied a couple of times and said Sarah wasn't his sister. I mean, Sarah wasn't his wife. So there are times faith has to increase. God throws his net into the world and drags us in. Are we, and if we are unwilling to comply with his holy standards, our eternal judgment will be discarded in the fire. But you go comply. No one resists the will of God. But it's just God being... Christ is being formed in you and you have to be a mirror image of him. Now on the other hand, the church is responsible for warning sinners of the dire consequences of sin and of the time of God's judgment coming upon humanity. And that's what I said, we have to preach the gospel. And the gospel has the power to establish us in Christ. But we had been commissioned to go out and make disciples. So we should seek justice and good works to do good works and walk humbly, not become pride and boastful and arrogant, rebellious. All of these works of the flesh abiding in us. We have to work the works of God. Now, we are witnesses to God's way of life as well as to procreate. Well, I'm so tired, Tom. Hold on just a second. We need to proclaim Christ's return in the establishment of God's wonderful benevolent government on here on the earth that his kingdom is coming and that salvation is near and we keep saying the kingdom of God is here. We have to treat this earth that he's re- recreating the earth and making it anew. That he's establishing his kingdom. The kingdom is among us. It's right here within us. It's so near. It's right at the door. You don't have time. Now, that's good news. That's the gospel where people going around are talking about destruction and the earth not lasting and what mankind doing and the depravity of man. God had told us these things and that man would get to that point that he would have to judge the world. Why are you surprising, surprised then that you're in the midst of that judgment? You're blind. You're living to the for the world. You can't even see that you're right in the middle of that storm, in the middle of that judgment. Yes. Je- uh, Satan didn't realize that God hadn't left and went anywhere, and he thought he could occupy the throne of God. He says he was descending under the heavens and be like God. He would sit on the throne. How can two sit on that throne? God's on the throne. You don't have the power to throw him out. It's just that iniquity had separated you from God. But if we can get a focus in, on God, if we can see and have the mind of God, 
and have the thoughts of God, our perspective, that perspective, seeing as God sees. As used in Matthew 30, 23 and 23, judgment means a decision for or against, and it suggests tribunal of formal judgment. So, this judgment is a decision to God has made. And you remember he said, the hour is come, and he talks about the day of the Lord. So it implies justice. When judgment comes, when you go to court, and when you ask him for a judgment, you're asking for justice. That justice be meted out. Justice has several meanings. Justice has several meanings. The first of which is impartial adjustment of conflicting claims, assignment of deserved punishment, or of rewards. In other words, if you ask someone for a judgment, that judgment or that verdict requires maybe this person's death, or maybe this person's paying back what he has to pay back, or this person's imprisonment. So there is a adjustment, there is a, a mediator, someone there to these claims rise up. The child is mine, knowing that the child is mine. Let's cut the child in half. Somebody has to make a decision. So the judgment time is here's your sin over here. Here's your hypocrisy over here. So God it's God enters into judgment with man. You don't want to enter into judgment with God. And what happens when he judges, that trial and tribulation that the church is going through is because we see God, we see this from God's perspective, and that's why James says, in the book of James it says, we glory in trial, we count it all joy, the trials and temptations, the diverse trials and temptations, the many things we go through because we know God is putting us through that. He's allowing us going to go through the fire. Remember I said they're all tossed into the fire. But you see, when everybody's tossed into the fire, we as children of God, like Shadrach and Abednego, we come out of the fire. We can come through the fire. God brings us through the fire. He's in the fire with us. According to the book of Corinthians, we shall all be, all of our works, everything's going to be tried with fire, whether we've been building with wood, stubble, or hay. Now, the trying of our faith is worth worth much more than gold. So God may reward us here on earth. If we're seeking the kingdom of God, these trials and tribulations that we're going through, after we go through them, after Job passed through all these trials, after Satan did all this to him, God rewarded him double. So we have expectations through the judgment, through the things that we're going through. We're looking for rewards in this life. We know God is a reward of those that seek him. Now, we may not get it in this life. We may be like Abraham and some that look for it, but we see his word says that there will be some that's rewarded with homes and brothers and sisters and all of these things in this life. That's why God gives me friends and brothers that will be throughout eternity because we're the children of God as those that do the will of God, that obey him. So as his justice comes... The reason we're not fretting evildoers because we're going to inherit the earth. We're going to inherit those things that they're fighting and squabbling over, those things that they're doing wicked and to get all of those things. They're going to die and leave them to us. The quality of being just an impartial affair. That's a definition of justice. You remember he says to do judgment and justice in the book of Michael. It's the quality of being just, impartial, or fair. So those are qualities, those are fruits of the Spirit that God develops in His children as we're walking by faith. So that's how we render justice because our character becomes one of faith, one that pleases God, that doing those things to please God. So we're praying that God would keep us God gladly gives that to us 
and we pray for wisdom from God to complete all of these things. Here's another definition or uh, meaning of, of justice. The principle or idea of just dealing a right actions. To deal justly with one another, with each other. The guy that uh, cuts the grass at the church, or whatever, you remember I told you he went through surgery or whatever. In dealing, he, you know, and he cut the grass again the other day or whatever. But whether he's ahead or behind, his money, we, I takes his money and put to the side. I take that cash money and put to the side because we don't owe anybody for anything. We deal fairly and justly. So when he comes for his money, if if he, if I'm not at home, I said, well, you could pass through that without him be here. We don't have, he don't have cash out any of those things. But you want to deal fairly with people. Yes. In all your dealings, you want to be a cheat or a scoundrel. And that's we have this guy that was ran for president and that was for president. He's running for president now. We see the character of our nation is that we elect scoundrels, fat, cheaters, all kinds of people that they're not just. They don't deal justly. They don't deal fairly. And we're to see that those things are coming to come about. But the earth has become so corrupt, we know that God's judgment is at hand and that God has begun to judge the world. But we consistently pray them. Justice also is conformity to truth, conformity to facts, conformity to reasons. That is correctness. And you remember I told you a plumb line, when you, that plumb line, we have to line up with the standards in this book. We have to line up. More simply, when a conflict arises among people, justice is administering what is just, factual, reasonable, faithful, morally upright, good, fair, righteous, impartial, and legally correct. That's, that's what justice is. Yes. So, you remember I tell you, we gain God's perspective. Because we're born again, we receive his spirit, which the natural man doesn't have. So when we say, the scripture says, judge not that you be not judged. And people say, you remember God said, don't judge or whatever. Well, you may not understand the scripture. Church. Remember I told you there were different levels of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And we go far enough to know that we have to judge. And there's a, I've explained the meaning of that scripture uh, in Matthew about judge not that you be not judged and what stand well I, I don't have enough time to go down that road but we know that we judge all things this is not a this is a paradoxical statement it's not a hypocritical statement it's a paradoxical statement 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter 11 through the 16th verse. For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? So also, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, hold on. I don't, I don't want to read. I'll, I'll go on and read that whole thing. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who is from God, so that we may know and understand the wonderful things given to us by God. We also speak these things, not in words taught or supplied by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. For being got, we are guided by the Holy Spirit. We are led by the Spirit of God because we are sons of God. So this is our standard. This is us being led by the Spirit of God. That Spirit that's in us regenerating us, making us who we are and what we are, shaping us in the image and likeness of God, forming our character. But the unbelieving, the natural-minded man does not accept 
the teachings and revelations of God because of the Spirit of God. For their foolishness are absurd to him, and he is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated, and he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. So he's of the world. He don't understand turning what it means to turn the other cheek. He don't understand loving your enemies. He don't understand the things taught by the Word of God, the logic and the reasoning in the Word of God. But the spiritual man, but the man that is spiritual, the spiritually mature Christian judges all things. He questions, examines, and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals and tells him, yet himself is judged by no man. The unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature because it's beyond him. It's supernatural. So, a lot of times, I don't understand him. I don't, you know, and that's one thing they didn't understand Christ. The devil didn't understand him dying on the cross. The people didn't understand that God allowed his son to be murdered by unrighteous men. Yes. So, we for who has known the mind and purposes of God so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ and we are guided by his thoughts and purposes of what he thinks because he told us last week when I was in chapter 55 that our thoughts are not like his thoughts and his ways. They're not like his. But once he births us again and we have and understand his thoughts and purposes that's why Jesus was able to discern their thoughts and motives. And Satan hates that. The unbeliever hates that. People hate that. Your spouse may not like it. Your children may not like it. Your parents or your friends. Because all of these things showing that you're born again and that you're different. There's a difference between the holy and the unholy. And that's a hard line to walk. That's why he enables us to walk that. Now, uh, we're getting way off here. It's we got about five minutes left. Uh, can, I need to read this maybe in the living version, and then we'll try to wind this down and finish it Wednesday night. No one can really know what anyone else is thinking or what he is really like except that person himself. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And so that unbelievable will never know because he don't have God's spirit. But if we're born again, God puts his spirit in us. Now we start seeing the world as God sees the world. Our perspective, our perception is from God's point of view, from the biblical point of view. The spirit give it life. The spirit gives it, give it wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And we being led by the spirit of God. And God has actually given us of his spirit, not the spirit of the world, but to tell us about the wonderful gifts and grace and the blessing that God has given us. In telling you about these gifts, we have even used the very words given to us by the Holy Spirit. Not words that we, we as men might choose, so they are faith-filled words. I tell you, that's why we have to preach the gospel, speak, preach the word of God. Don't deviate it from it, but they are faith-filled words. They are living words. They are alive. And it's not our opinion. We just speak the word, and God brings them to life. Can you assimilate those words? In telling you about the gifts of God. So we use the Holy Spirit's words to explain the Holy Spirit's facts. But the man who isn't a Christian can't understand it can't accept these thoughts from God which the Holy Spirit teaches us. They sound like foolishness to him because only those who have the Spirit within them can understand what the Holy Spirit means. Others just can't take it in. But the spiritual man has insight into everything and that bothers and baffles the man of the world. Who can't understand him at all? How could he? For certainly he has never been one to know the Lord's thoughts or to discuss them with him or to, the move, um, or to move the hands of God by prayer. 
But strange as it seems, we Christians actually do have within us a portion of the very thoughts and the mind of Christ. That's why he tells us, let that same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to develop the mind of Christ. Let us all be of the same mind. True wisdom is the result of human reason coupled with revelation. And that revelation comes from Jesus Christ. Human reason coupled with revelation. Yet even true wisdom will result only if a person believes what God says. Abraham believed God. We have to believe God. James says if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. We have to be a believer to develop this true wisdom. There's an earthly wisdom that is devilish and sensual. But there is a wisdom from God. Only then does a person have the opportunity to see God. He is hidden from those who put their faith in human wisdom. Natural man in in this context does not mean evil, but it means not being born again, worldly or unbelieving. It simply refers to one whose horizons are bounded by the things of natural life by the around and the about. Such a person is not equipped to discern the activities of God, but a person with the Holy Spirit can examine God's activities and make judgments based on them. That's why I say he that is spiritual judges all things. The criteria here, the facts here, the reasoning and rationale comes from children of God. Therefore, in his process of judgment, God comes into the picture. When the Spirit of God comes into a person's life, the basis of his judgment should change. God should become the basis of his judgment. The foundation, the chief cornerstone, all of this is built upon Jesus Christ and the Word of God. This occurs not because the person is any greater or better, but because the Spirit of God equips him to see and to use godly wisdom. That's why it says he gave the fivefold ministry for the equipping of the saints to give you the tools, the things necessary to operate, not carnally, for our weapons of this warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. So it's destroying arguments and everything of this world through the things and the word of God. Now he, now he can judge all things from God's perspective. This indeed is our responsibility. Because God has called us, we should see God so clearly and now his greatness to so intimately that we can live in the expectation that something great can happen at any moment to those of us who are receptive. We start visualizing things. That's how you get a vision you start straining to see the supernatural working that God's about to work. Something wonderful is about to happen. I think it was Oral Roberts or one of the evangelists or televangelists years ago that was saying something wonderful is about to happen. If you go with this expectation and this hope, and it's not just hope and hope or in faith, but it's hope in God, it's hope in Christ, it's hope in His Word. It's lining up with the the factual things around us, the substance, the premises of all these things, the precept. The God who raised up Jesus is equal to any occasion, any possibility. All things are possible with God. That's what we, that's what's changing our nature. Is that we know and believe that anything is possible and it can happen. He can make lame men walk. He can make blind men see. He can raise the dead and it's possible and he can do it through me. He can manifest it in my life and he also can manifest the trivial things in my life. That's why it says in prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. So the devil sometimes is in the detail, so for the most minute things in life, we still pray to God because that thing that we might have thought was mighty small, 
we realize it's the, the foxes that destroy the small vines. That those little things, when Joshua was about to go into battle, he said, well, we don't need to take all of the people to fight at Ai. And they fell because what? They underestimated the enemy, plus also they didn't see sin in their own life. There was sin in the camp. We can't allow sin to be in the camp. Is anything too hard for God? No. He throws that challenge out to man, to those who truly see him. And we're going to pick up here with uh, God's judgment on true Christians today. Judgment beginning at the house of God on uh, Wednesday night. Heavenly Father, as we 